you might say now comes the hard bit. I mean, both for the government and just for a few minutes for me. Because on this occasion, I'm right there alongside Niels Bohr or Groucho Marx or Yogi Berra or whoever it is that you think first said never make predictions, especially about the future. <laughs> After all, just think back five years and think how wrong you would have been. On this day in 2010, we had a new coalition government. Now, the Cognoscenti knew that Andrew Lansley had plans to give GPs a much larger role in commissioning, and that he wanted to set up a commissioning, an independent commissioning board, but the public didn't know that, or barely did, not least because the Conservatives had gone deliberately quiet about it in the run-up to the general election, Lansley refusing to do interviews about it all. And no one, not even the man himself, uh, can have realised quite what a monster of a bill he was about to produce, given that buying off the Lib Dems within the coalition turned an already far-reaching piece of legislation into the mother and father of all structural reorganisations. That was not foreseeable five years ago today. What was foreseeable was that the NHS was to get little or no real terms growth for the next five years. And the Conservatives had indeed promised growth, although unsurprisingly that turned out to be one entirely honoured in the letter of the promise rather than the spirit, with the spending review promising increases of just 0.1% a year. Now, most people, I think, and me included, would have projected from past experience back then that within two or three years, the NHS would have been in deep trouble in terms of both huge financial deficits and falling performance. And in fact, it did remarkably well. Now, the number of operations performed is but one imperfect measure of the NHS, but there are a million more now a year than there were in 2010. Patient satisfaction has held up really strongly, and the very longest waits, those that got past Labour's 18-week target, have been reduced spectacularly. And that was far from entirely foreseeable five years ago today. Now, of course, the deficits have now appeared all over the place and waiting time performance is under pressure, but it's yet to fall off a cliff. And that's taken five years, not the two or three you might have expected back then. But now, indeed, does come the hard part. For a start, the Conservatives are on their own. They no longer have the Liberal Democrats alongside to guide, help, steer or even obstruct their policy. And it's worth reflecting on what the Liberal Democrats brought to the party, aside from their contribution to making Lance's reorganisation even more humongous than it would otherwise have been. There's no counterfactual to prove this, of course, but better integrated care and parity of esteem for mental health were consistent interests of both Paul Burstow and Norman Lamb, and that was something Jeremy Hunt acknowledged when he was here yesterday while promising to stick with them. Just how vigorously they will continue to be pursued without the Lib Dem stimulus is something we shall see. And so what else is in the manifesto? Well, to paraphrase Bill Clinton, there's the money, stupid. The promise to find, at least, my emphasis, the eight billion by 2020 to implement the five-year forward view. The continuation, at least for now, of the Cancer Drugs Fund, the promise of seven-day working in the NHS by 2020 in both hospitals and general practice, which we already had mentioned, although quite how that will be funded, and perhaps more importantly, as we've also just discussed, how that will be staffed, are questions to which there are yet no answers. There's the continuity to promise to integrate health and social care better through the Better Care Fund, <coughs> and a decided interest in what's become known as Devo Mank, the Manchester proposal for pooling all the budgets. Uh, something paradoxically that has become a flagship Conservative policy promoted by Labour councils and opposed by the Labour leadership, or at least opposed by Andy Burnham, as health shadow health spokesman ahead of the election. What's not in there? There's no promise to ring-fence social care spending, despite the repeated promise of better integration with health. And local government spending is due to take at least as big a hit in this parliament as it took in the last. 
So despite the promise of additional NHS spending, there's a very real risk this could become not just a zero-sum game, but even a minus-sum one. Some higher spending on health, the benefits of which are eaten up, or more than eaten up, by lower spending on social care. In other words, a kind of repeat of something of what happened in the last Parliament. And unavoidably, the more one looks at this, the more it comes back to the money, where there's kind of a short-term, a medium-term, and a longer-term problem. The short-term is the current financial year, where despite the extra cash, the coalition pushing ahead of the election, there are widespread forecasts, as we just heard, that the NHS as a whole may well overspend, and significantly. Sorting that out will put pressure on the medium-term, which is finding the cash to help implement the new models of care outlined in the five-year forward view, and that in turn puts pressure on the longer-term how to get genuinely integrated health and social care while the spending on one is ring-fenced and the other is not, and while one remains largely free at the point of use and the other remains both heavily needs and means-tested. To promote a bit of the King's Fund's earlier work, what you, might be called, what you might call the Barker agenda. In one of my more wildly optimistic moments during the election, I did think this one might prove to be a turning point on this issue. The health spokespeople of all three political parties were repeatedly on the record about the need for better integrated health and social care, None of them addressed the ring-fencing issue. None addressed the means-tested versus free at the point of use issue. But the more the need for integration is admitted, the harder those questions will be to avoid. And Mank, if it happens, and particularly if it happens elsewhere, will, over time, force at least one of those two issues onto the agenda. So this just might be a turning point. You know, it's a pinch Churchill's phrase, not the beginning of the end, but perhaps the end of a beginning. So it keeps coming back to the money, and the money won't be remotely easy, uh, given the continued commitment to, of rapid elimination of the deficit. And the NHS and its supporters, it must be said, do tend to live in their own bubble. You know, the need may be great, but the money does not grow on trees, and there's still half of the deficit to go. An unexpected election result does not change that brute fact. And anything extra for health will make worse the already savage cuts to come in unprotected departments. Sure, there will be some more money over time, but there will also be massive pressure for the NHS to balance its books and not receive continued bailouts. And it's well worth reading the HSJ piece this week by Bill Morgan, uh, Lands' former special advisor, which, like anyone trying to predict the future, may not prove to be entirely right, but I'm sure it's certainly in the right ballpark. All that said, it will be interesting to see if the deficit is eliminated at quite the pace the Conservatives have promised. It wasn't in the last Parliament. And it may not be this time, given the damping, stamping down too quickly on public spending could yet damage the economy overall. But even a slower pace of deficit reduction will not change that earlier analysis. There will be no pot of gold coming down the road, more likely a few pieces of silver. Two final thoughts. When David Cameron assumed the leadership of the Tory party in 2005, something happened that had not happened before. In every previous period of opposition since 1948, the Conservatives at least toyed with alternative funding models for the NHS and sometimes seriously studied them. Cameron ruled that out in virtually his first speech as party leader and here at the King's Fund. The Conservatives haven't looked at it in government and the manifesto explicitly has a commitment that the service, and I quote, stays free for you to use. Labour, if only for historical reasons, has no interest in contesting that. And Clegg aside, the Orange Book Liberal Democrats MPs who might just have toured the idea all got wiped out of the election. And a free at the point of use NHS is at least totemic for the SNP as it has been for Labour. So as the money becomes an ever bigger issue, it looks like the political argument, if not the think tank argument, is going to be all about public spending on a public service, not on a new means of funding health, 
even if a new means of funding social care will continue to stalk the agenda. And that, of course, is exactly the sort of prediction that could prove horribly wrong. You know, events, dear boy, events, as Macmillan so famously said. Finally, Jeremy Hunt said, with all apparent sincerity ahead of the election, that the job he really, really wanted after it was to be back at health. Now, it might be said that all health secretaries feel the requirement to say that ahead of the election, though I think after six and a half years in the post, I don't think you'd have found Norman Fowler admitting to that. Well, Hunt's got what he wished for, but he's not new. He knows what it is that he is taking on, and it's going to be a very, very interesting ride.